Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went in and did as Elijah said, and she and her and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. We are entering a new series leading up to Mother's Day. It's not necessarily about mothers, but the series is based on my reading through the Bible something over a hundred times in the last 15 years. And I see again and again that God has a special place in His heart for widows and for orphans. I've, I thought about asking how many widows are in the service this morning, and I'm not going to do that because I didn't prepare you for that, and I don't want you to be embarrassed, but we have a large number of widows in our church, and I just want you to know that God loves you. I mean, He loves all of us, but Loretta, there is a special place in His heart for widows. He says it over and over and over again, and I think it's, I think it's appropriate at some point to recognize that we should have a heart for the widows in our midst and in our community because God has a heart for widows. So, Alan, what I, I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks leading up to Mother's Day, maybe even this, I think it goes into the Sunday after Mother's Day, is to look in the Scriptures at, at stories that are told about how God worked in a special way in a widow's life. One reason for that is that you may feel that you are left out because your husband died. You may feel, sir, that you're left out because your wife died. And that is not the case. God's heart beats for you. You hold a special place in His heart. And I need you to recognize that. I want to speak to you this morning specifically about the widow of Zarephath. The widow of Zarephath. In, the, in your worship guide, 
it says, the widow of Furnace City. Did you notice anybody looking at your worship guide? Zarephath means furnace. And so, the widow of Zarephath means to the widow who was living in Furnace City. You ever feel like you're going through a furnace? There, you're in the furnace of testing. That John was a, a metal, metallurgical furnace. It was for purifying metals. Sometimes God puts us through testing and puts us through the fire in order to see what we're made of and see the depth and the strength of our faith. That's what's going on with the widow of Furnace City. I want you to notice about her that she is a destitute woman in desperate times. A destitute woman in desperate times. See, it says, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, understand, we did not read the first eight verses. I had Kim begin at verse 9 in her reading. In the beginning verses, Elijah has prophesied that there's going to be a drought. This, this time of this drought, it specifically is in the time of Ahab. It was a time of wickedness. There was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. In the list of the kings of Israel, Omri was a wicked king, and that was the father of Ahab. Ahab was even more wicked than his father Omri, and there was no one up unto his time so wicked as was Ahab. Ahab entered, or Omri introduced Baal worship in Israel. Ahab promoted the worship of the Canaanite idol god Baal. He did everything he could to get rid of worship of the one true God, Jehovah God, and to get the entire nation of Israel to worship Baal. He was a wicked king, and so Elijah prophesied during a time of wickedness terrible wickedness. By the way, I highlighted the name Jezebel. Anybody here name your daughter Jezebel? I don't think so. I mean, that is a notorious name. We even use it as a slang. Uh, it's, it's sort of a curse word, Catherine. We say, that Jezebel. You know what kind of person we're talking about if we call them a, a Jezebel. Nobody in their right mind would name their daughter Jezebel. And it says of Jezebel that she stirred up Ahab. It's not like Ahab was not wicked enough on his own. Notice the influence of his wife. Jezebel was a princess of Phoenicia. She was a Phoenician princess. She was from the land of Sidon, the city of Sidon, and she was the ultimate Baal worshiper. She was the enemy of God and the enemy of the man of God, Elijah. But notice, his wife stirred him up. We're leading, we're talking about women a lot over the next 
a few weeks. And, you know, the power and the influence of a godly woman in a home is immeasurable. You cannot calculate her influence. Brenda has always said in our counseling, in our training of young ministers and their wives, that the, you will look at the husband and you'll see the work of the home. But if you want to see the heart of the home, look at the wife. The wife determines the heart of the home. That can be an influence for good and for God, or it can be an influence for evil and against God. Very clearly, Jezebel influenced her husband toward idolatry and away from the true God. She stirred him up. One of the things, though, that I want you to understand, Elijah was there as a prophet. There's very little said in the Scripture. There's not nearly as much said about the prophets in the southern kingdom, Judah, as there is about Elijah and Elisha in the northern kingdom. That's sort of ironic because the northern kingdom was the more wicked of the two. Judah, the southern kingdom, was considered to be faithful but here there are these powerful prophets in that wicked kingdom. What that means is this, and we need to hear this today. Even when wicked men and women rule, God still sends preachers of the Word of God to preach His Word and to preach righteousness in our day. Now, I thought about when I wrote that. If you're a Democrat in the crowd, you will say that the previous president was the most wicked man that ever lived. If you're a Republican, you'll say that the one we have now is the most wicked man that ever lived. Whatever your perception, I want you to understand the righteousness, our righteousness, does not totally depend upon our leaders. God sends His witness by preachers of the Word of God to the redemption, perhaps, of even a nation. Lord, we need a revival. We need a revival in our nation today. We need a revival of faith in our homes. And we need a revival of faith in our churches. Lord, send a revival. What the world needs now. The, the old song of when I grew up was what the world needs now is love, sweet love. But what the world needs now more than it needs anything else is the Spirit-filled, powerful preaching of the Word of God. We need the Word in our church, in our nation, and in our homes. It was not only a time of wickedness, it was a time of drought and death. Elijah, who was from Tishba and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, by the way, that's Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. There was a three-year drought. I think about the land of Israel, Michelle, Mark, we were there, and I think about dust and rocks, and you talk about a drought in that dry land. Mike, we, we saw that. 
Think about a drought where there's no rain in that land for three years. That means that animals are dying. In the next chapter, Eric, there is the story of, of the prophet who Ahab, that, that Elijah met, that he and Ahab had been on a search for the whole land for Elijah and went looking for water because of the drought. The animals were dying. People were dying. It was a, town, a time of drought and of death. And it says about the widow, when Elijah got to her, she said, I swear by the Lord your God, again, that's Jehovah, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks. By the way, that's an indication. Grant, it's not going to take a very big fire to cook what, she, what little bit she's got, to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. It was a time of drought and of death. You may feel that you're going through a desperate time. I think about the economy, and I really believe the pandemic of the economy has been largely overlooked and we're about to reap, we've sown the wind, and we're about to weep the whirlwind. It's going to get tough before our economy recovers. But I want you to understand, you'll never be in a situation. Your job may be at peril. The debt that you're carrying may be huge. Your future may look bleak. But there is never a situation that God can't handle. I said in my class this morning, the Barnabas class, that God will not always get us out of the, of the furnace. He may not get us out of the furnace, but He can sure take us through. His grace is sufficient. I just need you to know, He knows the situation you're in. He knows the situation we're in, and He cares. He cares. I want you to notice, not only was it a time of drought and of death, she was a foreign widow. Now, it's one thing to say that she was a widow in Israel, but she was a foreign widow. She was not a Jew. He, he said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath. Again, that's Furnace City, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, understand that Sidon is in the land of what we would call Phoenicia. It was a foreign land. This woman's not a Jew. She's not a Jew living in another land. She is a person of Zarephath. That's her hometown. It is close to the city of Sidon. It's a Phoenician city. She is a foreign woman. You say, well, that really doesn't mean anything. That's because you don't understand that day. Um, again, in the class this morning, uh, Alice, I mentioned that the Jews were the most bigoted people that ever lived. You were either a Jew, you know, there were two classes, Jews and everybody else. And that God sent her to, sent Elijah to her is huge. It's even mentioned in the New Testament 
Jesus said, certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. By the way, there's a punchline here. Sandy, Jezebel is looking all over for Elijah. Ahab is looking all over for Elijah. Jezebel is from Sidon. Where did God hide Elijah? Next door to Jezebel's hometown. I, get, I don't know, I just get certain joy out of that. They're looking all over Israel and surrounding countries for Elijah, and God hid him in Jezebel's, just almost in Jezebel's hometown. I love that. But there is also a message. You may feel estranged from God. You may feel rejected. You know, I don't know when I stand in front of a congregation on Sunday morning, I don't know all of your situations. That's uh, I, I don't know all of your backgrounds. And I, f I find out sometimes after I preach a message and somebody comes and says, you don't know it, but this is in my life and you were preaching to me. I don't know it, but God does. And you need to understand that God knows your situation. You may feel rejected. You may feel unworthy, but you are not out of the reach of God. He sees you. He knows you. He cares about you. And if you are far from God, He will come looking for you. You are not here this morning by accident. God drew you to this place because He wanted to meet with you. He wanted you in His presence. He is speaking to you now. Hear His voice recognize his call, recognize his leading, and do what he says. Well, then I want you to notice number two, the challenge of her faith. I talked about the times. I want to talk about the widow and her challenge of faith. It says about her, go and live, said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath, Furnace City, near the city of Sidon, that's Jezebel City, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now imagine that. This, Jonathan, is a personal command from God. He had already spoken directly to the widow. I have instructed a widow. Now think about it. I talked about it was a time of drought, of time, wicked time, a, a time of drought and of death, a time of desperation. For a widow in that day to take care of herself would be a great hardship. To tell Elijah, to tell her, I'm sending a prophet to you and I want you to take care of him. I want you to provide for him. Uh, Kim, I just have an idea. She probably said, yeah, right. I can't even take care of me. I love it, by the way, that I got two Kims. Every Sunday, they sit back to back and I say their name, and both of them nod their heads. I like that. 
So next Sunday, you find somebody that's got your same name, and you sit next to them, okay? It'll drive me crazy. Yeah, right. I can't even take care of myself. And you want me to, to feed this preacher that's coming? God spoke personally to her. Listen, God has a work for you to do. I, I was talking with the staff this week, and I wrote out Walter's making some posters for me. You're going to see them over the next few weeks about volunteers, about the value of volunteers. You can't put a price on volunteers. They are so valuable. You are valuable. And the, I'll go ahead and spoil the surprise. The last in the series of four, Walter, says, if you're not volunteering, you're not growing. See, God has a work for you. And you need to find that work, find that place in His kingdom, in His church, in this place. What is it that God wants you to do? He spoke to the most unlikely of people, said, I've got a task for you to perform. She says it's impossible. In fact, that's what she said. As Je Jehovah thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in the cruise. I don't have enough. I can't do what you say. I'm not able to answer your call. I'm not able to do the work you've sent me to do. Listen, God will never ask you to do something that He will not enable you to do. And you need to understand, God's going to test your faith. You say, He just gave her an impossible task. Is His arm short that He cannot do it? It's not her ability that's being tested. It's her faith and the size of her God. How big is your God? And how much are you willing to test Him? Adrian Rogers said, Faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. You can trust God. I want you to know, however, she had decided already to disobey God. Hers was a decision of disobedience. You say, how do you know that? Well, she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Now, a couple of things. I should have highlighted in yellow this word, L-O-R-D, in all caps. Do you know what that means when you see it now in your Bible, Corey? It's, in, it's called small caps, but it's all caps. Do you know what that means? That is the name of God. It's not the normal word for Lord, which would be Adonai. That is Yahweh. We pronounce it in English, Jehovah. That's the name of God. And this foreign woman is a believer. She knows the name of God. 
and she is swearing by the name of the God of Israel. So when I say it is a test of her faith, Jerry, I'm serious. She knew the name of the Lord, but how much she do, does she believe in him? How strong, Joe, does she really believe that he is? And what can this God of Israel, Jehovah God, what can he do? Well, obviously, her faith was not strong enough. She's decided to disobey. You realize, Beverly, if she does what she says, I mean, what's going to happen to her? She's been told to feed the prophet. She has just refused, and she said, I'm going to cook what I've got, and my son and I are going to eat it. Liz, what would have happened if she had done that? Her own prophecy would have come true. She would have died. Thankfully, God sent a preacher. Some people would rather die than to obey God. I could preach a sermon about Jonah. I'd rather die than go where God sent me to go. I'd rather die than obey God. And she had made a decision to disobey God and starve herself and her son to death. Listen, God wants you to live. He's not leading you into a situation where He will take your life. You say, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford not to tithe. You say, I, I, I had a preacher's wife that said to me multiple times during the time we were in Africa. In fact, every time I saw her, she would say, I'm glad that God calls them that are willing I scratch my head over that a lot. Now, he calls a lot of people who are not willing. And there are people who would rather die than do what God says. But listen to me. God's not asking you to die. Well, actually, he is. To die to yourself. To give up your will. To give up your plans. To give up your desires. And follow his will and His plan. He wants you to live, and He wants you to live abundantly, but to do so to His glory and in His faith. I said, thankfully, God sent a preacher. Grant, she's decided to disobey. And like He sometimes does, Pam, He sent a preacher. He sent a preacher to preach one more sermon. No, listen, don't do what you're planning because that's going to lead to disaster. Sydney, he's saying, do what I'm telling you to do, and you'll live. That sermon from the preacher was a little selfish sounding. He says, don't fear. Uh, what was it that Aaron shared in the video? What is the answer to fear? It is faith. It is your faith that overcomes the world. Don't fear Go and do as you've said, but one little difference. First, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterwards make something for yourself. Now, Charlotte, that sounds a little selfish, doesn't it? Feed me first. And if you'll feed me first, God will take care of you. Do you, have, do you realize what he's asking her to do? Dwayne, he's asking her 
to take that little bit of meal, all she's got, and that little bit of oil and use it up, pour it all out, use it up, make a cake for him, and then go make something for themselves. Don, you see the miracle in, in the promise, right? If you will do this first, then there will be something for you. And here's the promise. The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that Jehovah sends rain upon the earth. Jesus said the same thing. He said, seek me first, seek the first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Don't miss the point. She had made a decision to disobey and it would have been disaster. Disobedience to God results in disaster. Don't miss that. But God gave her another chance. He sent a gospel preacher with a sermon that saved her life. What's God trying to tell you? I want you to notice in that story the miracle of personal provision. There was a personal challenge of faith, but there was a miracle of personal provision. And she went and did. That's huge. She went and did, as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was never spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I want you to notice her faith in action. She went and did as Elijah said. I've said to you before, I need to remind you, it's been a while since I said this, I probably rely too much on your compliments about my preaching. So I could easily say, go ahead and lie to me that I did a good job. Makes me feel good. But the truth, Mark, is the best compliment I've ever had on a sermon when the guy came up, was when the guy came up to me, took me by the hand and got his face right there and he said, I did not enjoy that sermon. But I sure did need it. This is not for entertainment, guys. This is the Word of God. And it's supposed to be life-changing. And every time I preach, I have to think about, what is it, Benjamin, that I want you to go and do? It's not just for information. What is it that God wants you to do? She went and did according to the word that Elijah preached. Notice she put her faith in action. One of the things that she did in that, she quit focusing on what she didn't have. I've only got a little bit of meal in a barrel. I've only got a little bit of oil in the bottle and jug. She quit focusing on what she didn't have and instead decided to use what she had. And she gave it all to the glory of God. God responded with a miracle 
of multiplication. Understand, what she did, she went, uh, I started to say she went to the kitchen. Liz, I don't know if she had a kitchen. I'm not, you know, I don't know what the Jewish house or household looked like in that day. But she went and she got the meal. And why did she pour it all out? Every bit. All she had was a little bit. She was going to make one cake. She's already said that's all she's got, right? Enough meal for one cake. She and her son are going to eat it, and that's it. It's gone. I've said before preaching this message, Grant, you probably heard me preach that in Indiana years ago, that it was the first pre-measured meals in all the world. She didn't have to think about how much it was. She just went and she dumped it all out. Cordell, she dumped out all the meal. She took the oil, poured all of it out, every drop. She mixed it up. She put it on the hearth and she made what we'd call a flat cake. And she took it to Elijah. But Rachel, now she goes back again to the meal barrel. She goes back again. She looks Larry in the meal barrel. It was empty, remember? She dumped it all out to feed Elijah. But now God has put it back. Now listen, she didn't, he, God didn't fill it up. I mean, we're talking about living by faith. She went back and there was enough in it for herself and for her son. Pre-measured meal, Catherine. Just dump it all out. The bottle, Sandy, shake it. It's got oil in it. Pour it all out. Pre-measured. Made enough for her and for her son. The next day, Tony, she goes back. I can just see her. Donna, she approaches the barrel and she looks in that little flour container and she looks. Alice, there's meal in the barrel. She emptied it out yesterday, twice in fact. And now there's meal in it again. She picks up the bottle. There's oil in the bottle. Gosh, she does that day after day after day for two and a half years. That's the God I serve. He asks us to trust Him, and you can trust God. God is always faithful. Listen, God may put you in an impossible situation in order to demonstrate His power and his abundance. Will you trust God? Will you trust him? Will you do what he says? Use what you've got to the glory of God, and he will bless it. Then finally, there was an ultimate test. Kim didn't read about that. It's the rest of the chapter. You see, in Chapter 17, verses 17 through 24, her son died. It says in verse 17, sometime later the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Now imagine this. This woman has demonstrated her faith, and you would think she's grown so much in her faith. This is enough. But now, Andrea, she's facing the ultimate test of our faith. I know some of you have walked with God a long time. 
And you may think that you've arrived in your faith, but understand, God may take you to the next level. And this is the ultimate test, Sheila, of her faith. She's done everything God's asked, and now her son dies. Is that fair? Life is not fair, but God is always good. He's always God, and He's always good. And it is a test of her faith. She brings the son to Elijah and says something like, Is this the reward that I have for taking care of you, that my son dies? Imagine this. You do understand that this whole thing was a promise to her and to her son. But Delaine, he let, God let the son die. The ultimate test of faith. It's also a test of Elijah's faith. And Elijah steps up in faith. And Corey, he asked God for a historic miracle. Stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, to Jehovah, Oh, Jehovah, my God, Yahweh, my God, please let this child's life return to him. Mike, I'd read that, I don't know, 40 times? And it occurred to me one day, I mean, obviously, Larry, that's a major miracle, right? He's asking for the resurrection from the dead of this young boy. But I got to noticing how many resurrections from the dead there were in the Old Testament. And how many resurrections from the dead there was during Jesus' ministry? And I realized, wait a minute, man, we're in 1 Kings. I mean, the first miracle, the first raising of the dead didn't happen in, in Genesis through Deuteronomy, the books of Moses. Did not happen in the Samuels. Happened in 2 Kings. You know what this means? This is... Not just the huge miracle that God would raise somebody from the dead. Gail, it occurred to me that Elijah is asking God to do something that only God can do. More than that, Brandon, he's asking God to do something he's never done before. In all the Bible, up to 1 Kings chapter 17, nobody has ever been raised from the dead. Now think about the faith of Elijah. Mark, he asked God not only to do what only God could do, he asked him to do something God had never done before. And God heard his prayer, and God raised that young man from the dead. First person in all of history, raised from the dead. Listen, God has power. And He wants to grow your faith. He will test your faith. But He tests your faith in order to grow your faith. How great is your faith? Her response was a declaration of faith. She said, I know that you're a man of God and that the word of, don't miss this, who's this? Don, who is that? That's Jehovah. 
and the word of Jehovah in your mouth is truth. Have you declared your faith? It's time to declare your faith in Jesus. Over the last year, I have seen far too many people hiding out, afraid to speak out, afraid to declare their faith. People were afraid to go to church, still are. Our crowd is not what it ought to be. There are still some who are hiding out. And I pray, Lord, increase their faith. Increase their faith. It's time to confess your faith in Jesus. Tell your neighbors, tell your co-workers, who do you really believe? What is your life really about? It's all about Jesus.